Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Jocelyn. In this episode of the Gamers Inn, we're going to cover everything that's going on in the wider industry in terms of sexual assault and harassment that's been happening and all of the stories that have come out this week. We are going to leave that to the end. We're going to do a mostly normal episode of the Gamers Inn before that. We know a lot of you are probably just inundated with this news and the stories and everything else. And so we want to make sure that we give you the opportunity to pause and listen when you're ready, as opposed to uh, throwing it in, in the middle of the show. So um, if you are interested, we are going to cover it at the end, as well as uh, there was an episode that we just posted today from For Azeroth that covers a lot of what's going on specifically in the WoW community. Uh, but Manny and I um, kind of uh, went into some some greater detail on our thoughts, as well as I shared one of my stories. So if you guys are interested in hearing uh, that episode, it's uh, like I mentioned, it's a standalone, uh, does focus particularly on the Warcraft community, but is uh, not limited to that by all means. Uh, you can head to tgistudios.com slash faz slash episode 123. There's a link in our uh, Gamers in show notes as well to that episode. Or you can just go to tgistudios.com and click on the faz uh, logo because... You can find all of our back episodes, including our bonus episodes in there. So um, do go and uh, check that out. So before we get into all of that, Ryan, mm -hmm. The Last of Us Part 2. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm really, I'm, I am curious about this because, I mean, obviously, as we talked about um, two episodes ago uh, where I was very hesitant about this and, you know, last episode you were like, oh, no, it's kind of it's 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 getting there. You know, it's OK. It still has the little pieces of humor and stuff. Do you still feel like that another weekend? Has it gotten heavier? Has it gotten lighter? Where where are you landing on Last of Us Part Two? Yeah, well, I mean, first I'll state that no spoilers. I'm, I'm going to do no spoilers whatsoever. And I mean... I will do my best when we're discussing it to not uh, in, infer certain things. Uh, but if if you are able to read in more to what I say and make, you know, connections yourself, um, you know, put down the red yarn and let's just have a conversation. But uh, when it comes to The Last of Us, I think the first thing you have to remember is that The Last of Us and The Last of Us Part Two are games that are supposed to be um, a story, uh, of, 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 uh, gray, you know, it's not black or white. It, it, it's all about this harsh world and these harsh characters. And even these characters you really like and look up to and enjoy, um, that what the game is trying to show you is that, well, yeah, you're looking up to certain aspects of that character, but everybody is flawed to a certain degree in this world, because that is what this world has done to these, these people. Um, but back to your question of like, um, did it ha does it have those moments of uh, genuine heart? And it, and it very much does. Those moments are sprinkled into the game. Uh, you get the walk and talk jokes, uh, even when your characters are on a journey of, of the, uh, you know, dark intent. Um, and uh, it, they land. The writing is, is excellent. Um, anybody who's complaining about the writing is it, it probably has... Uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff surrounding this game, and I don't want to get into all of it, but the, I think, personally, I think that the writing is fantastic, and the story is, it's a last of a story, you know? It, it really fits within that that framework, and you, you do get some, some heart-filled moments between characters that you're looking forward to in a sequel. You know, you want to see these characters interact again. That's, that is... Kind so it does reason. it does feel very much like a successor to the first game. It's not like they went even darker just for the sake of being dark and edgy. I don't you know, I don't think they like okay. Um the, the I think we talked about this uh when we when we originally talked about whether I was looking forward to the game. The first one is about a journey uh of of Joel taking Ellie across the country to find the fireflies because she's immune. Um, that is set up right at the beginning of the first game. And I, and I think that journey is made. Oh, wait, of... Okay. So, so Ellie is immune. Ellie's immune. Yeah. Ellie's the, is the, Ellie's the girl. Who are the fireflies? Are they like some st 
still alive organization yeah so the government fire... of some kind or something they're like... not the government the government's bad okay that seems to oh, be okay uh they're fedra i guess uh that that is what is left of the government and and i mean it's a it's a trope of these zombie games you know end of the world you know the government is quote-unquote bad because they are they're trying to keep these people alive uh the way they they figure is the best you know create quarantine zones strict rations all that fun stuff and obviously people uh are not cool with that and there's a lot of you know um bad stuff happening in this world both inside the quarantine zone and outside the fireflies are a resistance group that are kind of scattered all over the place but they in the first one they're set up as this group the fireflies are set up as a a group that is kind of sprinkled all over the country and and their whole focus is to uh to beat the virus um they believe that with enough you know, with making enough sacrifice and making enough tough choices, they can figure out a way to get back to some sort of normal, you know, uh, by any means necessary. And I think that's really important uh, to understand as you're playing through the game and what you're taught in the first one. Um, but you're also taught there's a lot of characters that are going to make some choices and uh, good or bad. Uh, <laughs> wait, wait. Characters are going to make choices. What? <laughs> I, I'm trying to like. Here's the thing. I know the, you're. Tra- I know you're trying to stay as spoiler free. I know, of both and but I'm not helping. Possible, which is admirable. But it's no. just. It's so funny though. There's characters in the game, you guys, and they do stuff. They do stuff. Okay. <laughs> I guess the point I'm trying to get to here with with the first one is that it differs uh, from the second one in that the first one is it's a, it's very much an admirable task that, that Joel is doing. He's taking Ellie across the country to bring her to the fireflies to try to figure out a vaccine for uh, this, this, uh, this fungal virus that's, that's turning everyone into lovable zombies. And uh, that is the story of the first one. And it, and it, and it ends in a, in, in a very, a choice that is taken that, that the character makes that you don't make the character makes and that's what you're left to deal with um and then when the second one comes around it's it isn't this this story of uh of a journey that like that first one where you feel oh this is a good journey this is a quest this is a good thing we're doing in the second one it's uh you are you're on a you're on a a dark journey right from the get-go um you are put on a uh and this was in the marketing and and very early on like ellie is on the warpath that is the descriptor for this game and has been and you see it in the marketing right on the box the cover art she's a very angry lady and uh she she wants to do certain things to certain characters um how much how much time has actually passed uh four years so okay you know she's not uh because uh, she was like she was a kid in the first one right she was a kid yeah and you know a brutal kid she would she would take dudes out too in in the first one in very vicious stabby ways and uh you know she you are it's it's known that you are playing as ellie in this game and uh the combat they've ratcheted it up uh the combat was was very they they give you a lot of tools uh to to t- dispatch enemies and in this one there's a lot there and every every gameplay mechanic is made in a way so that you can uh come into uh an encounter usually from a stealth perspective most encounters start from stealth and then you're given the tools of the trade to try to take out as many enemies as you can from stealth but if you do get caught there's enough tools there, similar to the Horizon Zero Dawn. You have enough tools at your disposal to handle it in a way where where you come out on the other side victorious. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really felt that about this one. I haven't had many encounters with the human enemies where I felt like I was being um, overpowered, but also I wasn't Superman running around just taking everybody out you know i, I was right. i was vulnerable and i was panicking but if i just kept my calm i was able to to uh, succeed with most of those encounters and that's where the combat is just it's it's really something it's brutal uh but it but it really feels uh fluid like they've done everything they can here to to um to give ellie the tools to to survive in this very harsh world because it is when you're coming up against these foes um you're you you very much understand it's you or you or them right that mm-hmm. is that is the world of the last of us it's 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 you or them and uh there are good good guys in the game of course and there are those conversations and those back and forth and and those heartfelt moments they still find a way to fit those in and i don't want to go 
too much further down that. I just I want to make sure that people understand that there is that there and it fits within the context, um, even if you might not feel that is the case as you get going in the game. Um, but uh, yeah, like I'm enjoying the game, but I think it's part I want to see where the story goes. I'm invested in the story. I'm, you know, there's been some dips uh, in terms of, you know, do I, obviously I want to finish the game. I want to see where it goes, but there are, there are moments in the story where it's like, oh God, I don't know if, I don't know if I want to get through this portion to get to the point where I understand what's going on. Like it, it is a story told in, in, in a disjointed part type way. So there's, there's a lot of like jumping around and stuff, but, um, and again, I don't want to say too much more. Like, I mean, maybe at some point we'll, we'll do some spoilers. We'll, we'll do a spoiler cast on the feed. Maybe not you and I, but, but with somebody who, who, <laughs> who has finished the game. Cause I know, you I was know, like, I, I feel like I want to play these games, right? but I'm like, ah, I don't know. I also feel like I want to dive into something that's like overcooked, sure. <laughs> like something colorful and bright and goofy. And this yeah, is not I, that. I, yeah, this, yeah, this is not that. <laughs> no, it's very much not that. And I think that that's not a detriment to the game. That's not a negative point. I think a lot of people um, from their own personal views, like if they don't want to play the game, that's fine. I think that's fine. But if you label it as a, a harsh uh, negative, uh, you know, dark game. Um, it, it doesn't make it like a bad game. I I think it's fine. Yeah, no, I, I honestly, I feel like if last of us part two had come out in 2019, like if this was a holiday title, I probably would have been a lot more stoked to play it. And I would have been like, head first day one like let's see what this is all about i missed the boat on the first game that's not going to happen again like i would have had a totally different mindset when it came to playing this game because the first one it's just so adored mm-hmm. you know <laughs> that i feel like because i didn't play the first one i really missed the boat there and i would have been all in on this sequel and i probably would have like googled the plot of the first one and and watched all the cutscenes and stuff and or maybe like watched some let's plays and you know not actually gone in and played it myself but i i would have at least seen other people's experiences with it and and gotten the mm-hmm. gist of the plot and then i would have do- i would have dove into to part two and uh i just don't have that drive for it <laughs> at mm-hmm. this point in time with absolutely everything that's happened in 2020 so far i just don't have like the emotional capacity for a game like this right now and you're totally right that is not a negative towards the game at all it's just where where i personally Mm -hmm. am on an emotional level right now um it's not bad like it shouldn't be a knock against the game because there there are plenty of games that we've played in the past there are plenty of stories that are interesting and meaningful and well-crafted and um like fun to play in terms of actual game mechanics that are like all of these things are make a a good game and i think that a lot of stories are worth telling and i'm sure that last of us part two is probably one of those it's just you know when i'm already scared and upset i don't want to watch something scary and upsetting like i don't watch a horror movie what i do is i go watch a rom-com or uh you know just in anything uh, like a sitcom or like anything to you know pull my mind and my emotions out of that pit Mm -hmm. and i don't think last of us part two is gonna pull me out of any of my emotional pits (laughs) yeah no it's uh there's not a yeah it's not going to do that um and and i mean i don't want to be dismissive of of your opinion and, and and other people's opinion in terms of uh this game uh you're not wanting to play it because it's negative i, I just i don't want i don't want people to th- you know to to listen to that and say oh i will um i guess what i'm trying to say is that if 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 <laughs> great if uh i'm reacting to you putting the title in <laughs> I don't. Well, it, I'm just. I'm just typing out options. There might. There might be other ones. Um, I. I think that. Uh, you know. I. I think that. I don't. 
I, I totally understand where those folks are coming from. I just, um, I don't want folks to, to label the game that way. Like, uh, I've seen, I've seen people react to games like, oh man, no one should play that game because it's a turn-based strategy. Turn-based strategies are all bad. And it's like, well, okay, you can dislike turn-based strategies while other can like, others can like them. And, mm-hmm. and it's like sports games. I don't like yeah. sports games, but I don't go around saying you shouldn't play sports games. They they could just do a roster update and you'd be fine every year. You don't need to pay eighty bucks every. You know that that would be unfair, uh, even if it's you know a little bit based in truth. But um, it's but but here's the thing with the Last of Us uh, Part Two, again, great writing. The, the the graphics are amazing from a video game perspective. Uh, I've had I've had no issues with the with the gameplay. Uh, like it all feels very fluid. There's no bugs. Like it's all there. It looks great. Probably the best looking playstation 4 game i've played now i am playing on the pro i don't know how how much of an impact that makes but it's certainly a great looking great sounding great playing video game um but again it 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 comes right down to the fact of this is a post-apocalyptic game um there are some it's a it's a doggy dog world it's 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 bad so you can imagine what, and, and it starts off in a way where you are set on this journey and it is, it is a journey. Uh, you are on the war path and there are stories told um, on that path that I think are very compelling. And I can't wait to finish it to see where it goes because at this point, um, I don't know how they end this. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't, I really don't. And I mean, um, I've seen a lot of reactions on Twitter of people who have ended it and mm-hmm. a lot of them are like, basically i'm emotionally spent <laughs> and i need and i need to um yeah i need to just go and process <laughs> yeah and my struggle with the game is i'm playing it in you know bursts like i'll get an hour here two hours there and i find it's been a couple of late evenings because i'll be like oh i gotta get through this part i gotta get through this part but then there are moments where it's like okay, I have to stop playing because this thing just happened or this this uh, this moment or this gameplay section, um, you know, I fought what what most people would be, would, would uh, equate to a boss zombie encounter. And right. uh, yeah, pretty harrowing stuff. I was like, I'm done for a bit because <laughs> it, it was nail biting. Well, and that's, yeah, and that's the thing. And, I, and like I say, the most of what I've seen has been completely spoiler free. And mm-hmm. I mean, I probably wouldn't even know spoilers if I read them, but um, they've been spoiler free. And it's just like, you know, uh, so I have no idea if it has to do with like story beats or mechanic like game mechanics if you say like the the boss encounters are like mechanically exhausting it could be a combination of the two mm-hmm. but uh yeah I'm, i look forward to knowing what your take is once you're actually finished yeah like <laughs> once i finish it i'll give a a, a a more brief uh spoiler free sort of thumbs up thumbs down yeah th- some thoughts and uh and then down the road we'll figure out a way to get a, a spoiler cast on on the feed because i think from like when you look at the first one that game it's just it, it you it's one of those games that you play and you just you crave the ability to talk about it in 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 all its details you know uh in terms of spoiler filled conversation because there's so much to talk about and i mean that first one had such a a mixed emotion ending uh both presented in a in a in a happy and and a and a, a sad way um in this one like i i mean right from the get-go like how do you like how so we'll see we'll go we're 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 going down that journey and i hope folks who haven't finished it or even have finished are listening to this and be like man i remember where you were ryan just you wait <laughs> so <laughs> see how that goes well, like i said i look forward to yeah. hearing about it in uh, a week or two so uh yeah uh, we want to take a moment now to thank our wonderful patrons over at patreon.com slash the gamers in, including our June patron, Daniel. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Uh, again, if you guys do like the content that we produce and want to help us out, you can go to patreon.com slash the gamers in. Uh, that brings us to the news this week. And uh, as I mentioned, before we get into anything uh, too heavy, we are talking about Microsoft shutting down Mixer hmm. and partnering with Facebook Gaming seemingly out of nowhere because not only were Mixer streamers blindsided, it seemed like a lot of Mixer staff were also blindsided. 
<laughs> so uh, it very much was a uh, kind of press release that came out and just said, you know, yep, we're shutting the doors. We're and uh, yeah, we're working on uh, on transfer or um, at least we have worked out a deal with Facebook gaming to uh, transfer over existing partnerships and allowing, um, you know, basically mixer partner status to to transfer over to Facebook gaming. Uh, but uh, yeah, they're they're actually shutting down the site a little bit later, um, I believe in July. But uh, yeah, it's it kind of came out of nowhere and also came on the heels. Like, I mean, I, I can't remember exactly when Ninja's deal was, but I feel like Shroud's deal was within the last six months. And they were both given. I don't think that the deals themselves were ever made public, but rumored to be. And just millions upon millions upon millions of dollars to to pull them away from the Twitch ecosystem. So um, now that, like, obviously they had exclusivity deals, I believe Ninja's exclusivity deal was at least two years, if not three. I think Shroud's was two. Um, again, this is all from, like, my memory of the news stories when they happened. I, I don't have all the numbers in front of me, but um, these ex exclusivity deals obviously are now done. And uh, yeah, like they they basically signed on to a platform, got paid millions of dollars as a signing bonus, didn't have to finish out their contract because um, basically they uh, since Mix since Mixer is closing, their deals are null and void. So they are open to renegotiate with other platforms. So, I mean, God, if I'm Shroud, I am laughing right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of insane. It's it. It was kind of a, um, here's the thing, like it was a wild sort of announcement in that when Microsoft was starting, you know, they started up Mixer, or they bought the company that did Mixer and they and they rebranded it uh, to be Microsoft owned. Um, it was kind of like, oh, they're doing this to sort of pad out their console offering, you know, have their own clause on this streaming technology. Um, but I think as the longer it went on, it became apparent that they just weren't getting the business that they needed to mm -hmm. to be to be worthwhile doing this thing. I mean, how many times has uh, has Google launched a product and then you know canned it because it wasn't it wasn't doing the numbers that that other uh, Google products were? And I and I think when you look at Microsoft's portfolio, um, this shutdown I think makes makes sense in that it was probably going to happen eventually because like how do you compete with twitch youtube and twitch and youtube <laughs> there's probably yeah. one more on that list that i'm that i'm not uh not remembering but like when you're owned by microsoft mixer that's a big deal right i mean there's a bunch of other streaming services but they're not owned by microsoft right mm -hmm. so uh oh well facebook gaming i'm staring right at it of course that's the other platform that is, is i wasn't sure if the point you were trying to make was that facebook gaming could throw down with youtube and twitch or if you were trying to dance around youtube gaming but no, yeah I, I think <laughs> or, uh, or facebook gaming sorry fa facebook, facebook gaming <laughs> there's a i think there's a actual in the article there's like a breakdown of um uh, I saw a chart in terms of, you know, viewership and, you know, Facebook gaming has a, has a huge following because it's Facebook. They have how many users? It's an insane amount of users that just, it, it, it takes over all other platforms. Um, Facebook bad, but uh, it, it's, it's not surprising to see Microsoft sort of do this. And they actually did something today that is along these same lines and that they they're closing all of their retail stores across the world. They're mm -hmm. not opening them up again ever. And yeah. uh, this is a this is a sign of Microsoft being a company looking at um, services that 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 work. Like uh, if they weren't working in Mixer, they're looking at you know they have Game Passes doing very well. Um, they talk about how this move is related to strengthening their XCloud offering. Like they're going to focus on XCloud as opposed to you know uh, streaming out. I I don't get the sense that Facebook like a lot of people were worried that you know partnering with Facebook gaming was going to cause this um, huge change within the the Xbox ecosystem. It's more just uh, as you said an avenue to uh, complete these existing partnerships, right? To try to give to try to bridge that gap for folks that uh, that they have on contract. Now, mind you, they still had the opportunity to um, to take it out. Like they didn't have to go to Facebook gaming, but. There's been no talk. Um, there's been actually some shutdown talk from uh, Major Nelson, which I guess is the big social guy at Microsoft or Xbox yeah. Gaming, and he had said like, "No, we there are no plans to integrate Facebook Gaming 
into your Xbox, like to the level that Mixer had, right? So, I d- which is really good because I know a lot of the the Mixer streamers have now moved back to Twitch, mm-hmm. and the reason they made the choice to do Twitch as opposed to Facebook gaming is that a lot of people have a lot of very valid issues and concerns with Facebook as an ecosystem and have in some cases opted out of having Facebook accounts completely. And Ryan, you're not wrong in terms of Facebook having a large audience because they are like the biggest social media platform, but that comes at a cost is that you have to deal with Facebook, which as a company has not had the best track record Mm. with any number of different issues. So I think that, you know, it's it's nice that they aren't forced onto Facebook. And it's also nice that Microsoft is, you know, partnering with Facebook in terms of giving player um, like gamers, streamers a place to go, because obviously they're not going to partner with Twitch um, after, you know, being such a, a fierce competitor of Twitch's for so long. And when I say fierce, I mean, in terms of not necessarily competing numbers wise, but you know, like it was a pretty like no holds barred aim for the throat type uh, battle between the two mm-hmm. um, in terms of just like marketing and, and everything, um, you know, um, different press releases and stuff over the years as as, as Mixer has been trying to um, compete and, and pull people over to their platform. So, I mean, after years of them, you know, Twitch making uh, a, you know, a misstep, shall we say, and Mixer attempting to capitalize on it, I'm not surprised that they didn't partner with Twitch to, to transfer people back. Not to mention the outright poaching, flexing their Microsoft dollars of some of Twitch's uh, top streamers like Ninja mm. and Shroud. Like well, that, that Ninja thing. News. Yeah. That did deal. not go over well. <laughs> <laughs> no. on the twitch side of things like they didn't act appropriately like it was it was a huge coup for mixer for sure but i mean yes yeah, twitch did that, not take it well <laughs> no they didn't but but this proves that twitch really just had to sit back like they um i mean sit back in the sense that they they are as long as they continue to work at being the best platform and not worry about yeah ninja's a big well a big think- fish but that's that's the, my biggest concern with this news is mm-hmm. that, you know, although Facebook gaming um, does th- pull in some numbers, like I said, Facebook as a company has a pretty shit track record in terms of so, so many things. And, you know, the the alternative there is YouTube and Google, which, you know, is is slightly better, but still YouTube as a platform has struggled and they, they are at least, I think, trying to take some steps in the right direction, but they still struggle in a lot of ways with a lot of content and the curation and the, you know, um, who's seeing what kind of content and all kinds of stuff. Like YouTube has all of its own problems. So they're like Mixer. The one thing that I always really thought Mixer did a fairly good job of was making their terms of service and their policies extraordinarily clear and strict and sometimes they went a little bit too far there were also accusations of them not applying uh, same as twitch basically like favoring bigger streamers and you know not necessarily holding them to the same standards as they would some of the medium to smaller streamers but at least it seemed like mixer was trying to take things in the right direction and i think the the presence of mixer then put a lot of pressure on Twitch to at least, you know, make some changes and and raise some standards and clarify some things, which they had done over the last few years. It's still not perfect, <laughs> but at least they, they were kind of like making some steps. And I feel like that is at least in part due to pressure put on them from Mixer. So with that kind of... Um, competition i guess Mm -hmm. gone uh i do kind of worry about like if there's going to be enough uh just basically at this point community pressure on twitch to um actually like make some big changes and you know um clarify some of their terms of service and apply the rules equally across the board which it uh it really doesn't do because i mean obviously if you've got someone bringing in millions of views a month, that's a whole lot of money they're bringing into Twitch. So yeah, yeah I, I completely understand why, why they don't. I'm not saying it's right. It's extraordinarily wrong, 
But I mean, from a totally cold hearted business perspective, I know why they're doing it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, the, and the thing, you know, Twitch being owned by Amazon, like they're not they're not the greatest things either. But I think. It, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I, I my gut reaction when I think to Microsoft, like they had problems in the past, but they're doing better. Um, I think uh, someone might have evidence otherwise. Um, but I think that uh, it was nice having Mixer around. It, I, I didn't mind it. I never, I used it a couple times. I've watched streams on it before. Uh, Microsoft never treated it as like this exclusive thing. They weren't, you know, if Google does a, I don't know if, I actually don't know, but Microsoft, when they did an event, you, you could watch it on Twitch. You could watch it on Mixer. Like they didn't do the whole exclusive thing that uh, I, I feel like, you know, uh, Amazon has, you know, Amazon doesn't broadcast to YouTube gaming and I doubt Google broadcasts is to Twitch when they do stuff. Could be wrong, but I mean, that just seems like more their wheelhouse to do that sort of thing. But it's, it's not surprising on, on other side, but it is, you're right. It's unfortunate because I think better, you know, more community, more competition is important in this field because if you have, um, if you have one or two, you know, big locations, it, they could, they can get complacent and, and, and can lead to things not only just in terms of like lack of new features, but also just lack of moderation, just just mm-hmm. completely, you know, laid back approach to be like, hey, we're doing fine. No one's going to compete with us. Why would we take the extra hard work to, you know, um, you know, make sure our community make is our safe. platform a better place? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I really do feel for the streamers over on Mixer that were completely blindsided by the closing of their platform because, I mean, Ryan, you and I have been creating content for, you know, nine years now. It was like since 2011. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it's very much like it's, it's very difficult <laughs> to reach new audiences to grow your content and the same is true uh, in podcasting as streaming it's a lot of like word of mouth and and you know like grassroots type marketing and, and all the rest of it and you know to to take something that you've spent three to four years i can't remember exactly when mixer launched but taking three to four years to to kind of build up your community only to be told, okay, 30 days from now, this is no longer going to exist. Um, your community is on Mixer for a reason. And it could be any one of the the reasons that they've like stayed away from the bigger companies, whether they like a smaller experience, whether they like smaller close-knit communities, whether they feel safer on the platform or... You know, they've had problems on other platforms in the past or they don't want anything to do with Facebook or YouTube or Twitch, you know, like because of their larger company policies. Like there's so many reasons that people were over on Mixer and may not then follow those creators over to whatever platform they choose. So, I mean, as much as it's great that Facebook is at least going to provide partnership agreements that match what as closely as possible uh match what the partners had at mixer um it still doesn't guarantee that the community will move with the creator i mean you even saw that with like ninja and shroud when they moved over Mm -hmm. they didn't have nearly the audience that they had on twitch like they were still the biggest streamers on mixer but you know they they didn't bring over every single one and it's because you know some people and i can even speak from a from a personal perspective with hearthstone because um blizzard uh, or i guess activision blizzard sold all their esports over to youtube and i miss hearthstone stuff all the time now because i'm not in that ecosystem the ecosystem where i consume my video game content is twitch and you know that's not to say that i agree with you know, everything Twitch has ever done, or I think that they're a perfect platform, but that's just the ecosystem that I live in. It's very similar actually to MMOs. It's like, I don't think that WoW is the greatest game of all time. It's just like, there were very real times in my WoW history where I've wanted to stop playing the game, but I've continued because that's where my friends are. So it's like I've stuck it out in an MMO and not gone over to another MMO because I'm just like, oh, no, you know, my friends are in WoW, so I'll stick it out. The next expansion will be better, blah, 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 blah. Looking at you, Warlords of Draenor. But, 
it is like and it's very much like that's where my friends were that's where my community was and you know if if warcraft tomorrow just ceased to exist i'm like i would probably move to a new mmo and it would be eso you guys all know that yeah. but <laughs> like i would probably move and it, there's nothing guaranteeing that you know everybody would follow me and wouldn't go over to like guild wars or insert other mmo here and then the community breaks apart. So, you know, it just, it's really unfortunate because I know a lot of these creators, particularly because Mixer was also one of the smaller streaming um, ecosystems. I know people had to work really hard to convince people to come and watch them there. And it like even more so than trying to start a, a brand spanking new Twitch stream. So uh, it does. It, it makes me pretty sad to see this. It's it is unfortunate because I know uh, it's been really hard on those on those creators, and I'm very disappointed in Microsoft that they they mm -hmm. didn't. Um, I mean, basically, it's like if they had told if they told the streamers, then it would have leaked, and I get that. But mm -hmm. <laughs> at yeah. the same time, I feel like that it would have been. Um, it was going to be a shock no matter what, but I think it could have been handled a little bit better than it was. Yeah. Uh, I think they, I'm, I'm guessing, do we know if they told people who had contracts where they could probably protect, like Microsoft could protect their quote unquote announcements, um, and, but still tell these folks that they have under contract, like partners like Ninja and Shroud? Did they know? Honestly, I, I have no idea, you yeah. know, what they knew, what they didn't knew when they knew it. But basically, I can I can speak to a lot of there's a lot of like Warcraft content creators and stuff that made the move over to Mixer that were like, and I mean, you can even see it. There's tons of videos out there of partnered of Mixer partnered streamers mm -hmm. finding out the news while they were live on Mixer. Oh. Like they, they clearly did not. OK, never mind. Prepare yeah. anybody like like I say, if they were going to tell anyone, they might have told Ninja and Shroud, but that was as far as it went. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, that is certainly unfortunate from the creator standpoint, which, again, like we are part of that that uh, community. And, I, you know, Microsoft's like they talk about, you know, xCloud and wanting to reach this larger audience. And obviously Facebook is, uh, you know, it has that audience that they can try to tap into. But when it comes right down to it, it is a straight up business decision in that you can't go to YouTube because Google has Stadia. You can't go to Twitch because Amazon is working. There's been reports that Amazon's working on their own, you know, cloud gaming service. Everyone is, except for maybe Facebook, I guess. And, and that's where they've partnered uh, to do this, to bring xCloud to Facebook gaming. But um, once again, you, you have these major shifts that these major companies are making. And it's impacting, it's impacting the little guys that build these platforms. The reason Mixer has been around for these four years is not because you can't just survive on the ninjas and the shrouds. You need, you know, all your users, you need bulk. Users. You need a community. Yeah. You need a community. And I think that's where I don't, I get the sense from this move that Microsoft uh, isn't too concerned about their mixer community. They're more, they're more looking at this as like, we need to move on from mixer and we need a way to uh, prop up xCloud, and we can do that through Facebook Gaming. And I mean, they've done this with services before. You know, um, it's not necessarily affecting creators as much, but they did this with Groove, Groove Music. They had their own music station, and now they've and they they closed that down, and they moved everybody over to Spotify. So this isn't this isn't a new behavior for Microsoft, but it is like you said, it's strictly a cold sort of business decision that may see benefits to gamers and and content creators alike down the road but um right now it's just it, it's surprising and just kind of shitty yep yeah <laughs> and so at this point i think we start talking about other potentially surprising also shitty news um so if at this point you guys want to pause and take a break i completely understand because i'm sure i am not the only one who is feeling absolutely and utterly emotionally and physically exhausted after this week because mm. um in yeah, yeah i mean if you've been living under a rock guess what uh video games are essentially having their me too moment though uh one thing that i'm i have pointed out in the past is that this isn't the first time 
that there have been extensive allegations against larger organizations in gaming or, you know, um, streamers on different platforms. This isn't necessarily new, but I think the volume definitely eclipses anything that we've seen in the past in terms of women finally speaking out and sharing their stories in terms of their experiences with men online and in person in the gaming industry. And I do want to say off the top that much like the Me Too movement in movies in the past, this is not confined to the gaming industry, just as Me Too originally was not confined to the movie industry. It's just that was the um, community and social group that felt comfortable talking about it. But this happens everywhere in every aspect of life. So I kind of want to put that caveat on top of this. We are going to talk about the issues in terms of gaming, but it is definitely not an issue that is confined to the gaming industry by any stretch of the imagination. So it started, uh, I guess, uh, a week ago now, because it was uh, it was last Friday, I think, with the with the first allegations that started to come out, and they have just very much um, ballooned since since the first allegations came out, and it's been. A very difficult week in a lot of communities because I definitely think that there's um, there's a lot of shock going around. There's a lot of names that people wouldn't necessarily expect, and uh, there's been stories about experiences in the gaming industry that involve um, all levels of harassment and abuse, and stem from all levels of not only uh, Twitch streamers and YouTubers, but also um, including, you know, uh, high up people at different um, game development companies. There's just it's it's been overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it uh, it really like if you follow a lot of, uh, you know, video game industry and streamers and content creators, you're you're seeing a lot of these um, these survivor stories being posted and uh and and a lot of discussions around that and i think it's it's really important to um and it has been important for the last week to to listen to these stories and uh believe them and and really just uh but it's like you said it's been a lot there's and it's been sort of a, a cascading effect where where people are seeing these stories being told and then having the courage to tell those stories because it takes a lot of uh you know guts and strengths to to tell a story and uh there's a lot of them well, and yeah yeah and that and that's one thing that i do want to uh kind of the point that i want to drive home here is that telling your story is not easy mm -hmm. and i am definitely one of those people who and in the end the the story that i chose out of the many that i have the story that i chose to share on the episode of for azeroth was very much uh, a story with a positive ending. It could have ended much differently, but it didn't because of the people that I chose to surround myself with. Hmm. And even that story was very, very difficult for me to share. And I didn't even share it at the time because I was afraid I was afraid people would think I was attention seeking, that people would think that I was lying, that people would think that I, I dealt with the situation inappropriately, either when it was happening or after the fact, because um, if you guys if you guys haven't heard the Faz episode or whatever, basically uh, the TLDR was that last year at BlizzCon at the uh, kind of year end party, uh, my drink was drugged. I was not paying enough attention. I thought I was with a group that um, I was safe with and I let my guard down and I shouldn't have. And then my guildmates, um, I basically reached out to them when I realized what was happening and they were able to come get me and and keep me safe. And I was very lucky that they were available to me in that way. 
And that's basically the story. If you guys want the more detailed account, um, like I said, I did talk about it on uh, that episode of Four Azeroth, but even that story that didn't have a bad ending was, and, and also I should mention a story where I have no idea who did it. Mm -hmm. I have no idea at all. Um, and that's <laughs> first of all, extraordinarily scary in and of itself. But also, um, I'm not pointing the finger at any one person. So the fact that it took me, you know, seven to eight months and and a movement like this mm -hmm. to even share that story. I want you guys to understand how hard that is. And I can only imagine how difficult it has been for all of the women coming forward who are sharing their experiences, not just with the broader gaming community or with men, but with very specific people. Yeah, That's not easy. And there is so much more that goes along with sharing a story like that than, than sharing a story like mine. And even mine, I was worried of the reactions and I was worried that I would be ostracized and that people wouldn't want to talk to me and that people would say that I was lying and that I, you know, overreacting or, or insert fear here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and mine is not the hardest by any stretch of the imagination of stories to share. Yeah. It's one of many, many examples. Yeah, I, I think that's where that's where people struggle. They they don't have this understanding of how like even content works online in that when you post something and it's out there and 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 it spreads like like this has been like these stories have been spreading when you when you tell that story and you name a name or you don't even name a name like it, it uh it's going to travel and it's going to grab attention and um that's not why people are like people are posting their stories so that people can understand that this has happened that that this is a thing that continues to happen and if we don't do anything about it um it, it, it's going to keep happening we need we need to change uh something so it stops happening but when people post these stories like that's why it requires incredible strength to tell a story because they you know when you post that story you know what's going to happen you know how wide it can travel because you're posting it on to a social uh, network and that's why i i think people who um look at these stories and they they, and they some people will question them I, I think uh you can't question them because i think people like everyone understands when they tell this story online it, it that takes guts because they know it's going to it's going to it's going to reach people it's going to go and like why would why would anyone do that if if they weren't if they weren't telling something that that was a hundred percent true like I, I like you're putting yourself out there when you do that it's it's important that people understand that well, and I think it's also important to understand that we are used to being in this online all the time, um, especially like text-based communication. And there are a lot of things going on out there that kind of turn into a he said, she said type of a situation, which becomes really difficult when like me, you don't know who your attacker is or if it's, you know, a, a situation where there's an event that isn't recorded in any way, shape or form and that the best quote unquote evidence you have is possibly nothing because you didn't feel you could go speak to a friend right away or, you know, insert thing here that people say as as proof. And it's so frustrating to me because statistically the thing that people always rely on when they're saying you know innocent until proven guilty etc 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 show me the proof statistically people don't make fake reports people don't lie about this shit for all the reasons that I just said about why it's so difficult to share my story. And yet we still fall back on that. And it's so frustrating <laughs> to see a lot of that stuff. Um, because that's just not the way 
things play out in our society. By the time you get to the point where you feel like you don't have a choice but to share, you're just not making shit up. And mm. yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 and that's that it goes back to what we talked about a, a few weeks ago is, is that you have to, you have to listen, you have to believe. And, and I mean, we've talked about this. A lot of these stories are, are, um, they're, they happened in private, you know, there aren't, uh, you know, videos. It's, it's, it's a story. It's these people are telling what, what happened to them. And, uh, like you said, it's important to believe it because of the immense strength it takes to, to put that out there. Like you said, statistically, they're not lying. Like why, why would they lie? So, uh, and, and just, uh, it's probably going to be an evolving, uh, list, uh, as people continue to, you know, find the strength to, to tell the story. And, and I hope that, um, you know, uh, we talked a bit about this, uh, pre-show and, and, and I hope companies, uh, realize how they can, how they can make, you know, good change and, and figure out how to move forward from this and learn from it as opposed to every other time that, that this has happened, because there's been allegations come forward in this moment uh, that have been made a year ago, that have been made two years ago, very publicly as well. But they don't, they mm-hmm. didn't gain the traction required for the company to do something publicly. You know, uh, IGN is a great example. They, um, there was a, uh, there was, uh, I think it was Kaylee Pleggy. She put out there um, her experiences with coworkers, bosses of hers uh, that she had between like, I think it was like a nine month period. And yeah, those folks were fired or quietly moved on. But these are folks who uh, have connections. And when a company doesn't, you know, um, even state why they were removed when when something so terrible has happened, they just start a new company and they use their connections to do PR and, and whatnot. And reestablish themselves. Exactly. And I mean, it doesn't fix anything. It just makes it someone else's problem. Like IGN doesn't have to worry about it because they don't work there anymore. And and IGN has been, there's been talk from employees. They have made, you know, big changes, but there hasn't been this acknowledgement, you know, uh, that we've seen from other companies. Like Ubisoft has made some very public acknowledgements and uh, has put... But only only recently. Only recently, Yes. And that's the thing is I, I, I really do hope that we see these large companies um, making change and, and continuing to act on it and not just because it's a big, a big movement. Like six months from now, if someone comes forward, I hope they give it the same attention that they're giving it now, even if there isn't a huge, you know, Twitter uh, or, or a huge coverage of it, right? Um, and I don't know if that's going to happen because again, like from the company's point, like, yeah like it's all publicly traded right so they have to do they have to do something because of public pressure and i i hope that this company like ubisoft i I like that company i hope they they can continue to do do good quote unquote we don't know if they're doing good like that people have stepped down they've put people on leave but no like real action's been taken outside of those very simple steps like that's that's the bare minimum you can do right Absolutely. And I do, I do want to speak to the idea of putting people on leave and investigating claims, because I think there's also a really big pushback right now. And it's not only due to what's going on in gaming, but also just the wider internet and the idea of basically cancel culture and how anyone can say anything and, you know, automatically we're not allowed to, you know, engage with the person in question anymore. And, you know, you can't watch their movies, you can't listen to their music and you can't this, that, and the other thing. And I think it's very important not to instantly condemn and rush to judgment in a lot of these cases because I do believe that people can change and I do believe that people can learn and grow and I know I personally am someone 
who needs to learn and grow and change in a lot of cases. I'm not perfect. I don't know everything. None of us do. So I think it's very important for us to evolve as people. I had, you know, personally myself, you know, I've had misconceptions. I've had, you know, um, views that are that now me as, you know, a 30 something, we don't need to say how many 30s, but a 30 something person has definitely had problematic views in the past based on, you know, where I grew up and, and you know, the time I was raised and, and all the rest of it. Um, I've had very backwards and problematic views in the past, but I've been able to learn and grow as a person. And I think that's really important. And I think where we draw the line there is the damage a person has done with their actions. I think it's important to educate and have conversations and try to bring people around on some of these issues and understanding why things are problematic and explaining that things do happen. But I think it comes down to the level of harm that they have caused. And if it falls into the camp of irreparable harm, if it falls into the camp of permanently scarring someone or you know, heaven forbid, you know, if we get into the conversation of actual rape and sexual assault, like those to me are worthy of excommunicating someone from your community. That is, you know, grooming and all the rest of those things. That is extraordinarily harmful. And I think in those cases, it's absolutely the right decision to remove them from mm. your community. But I think when it comes to some of the other things that we've seen come forward and come to light or when it's, you know, different statements or verbiage, like there's a lot of education that can and needs to happen as well. And I think that there's a lot of people that's, that can change and can have their views altered. And I think education is really, really, really important. And I don't want that to get lost in all of this. I know we had a big conversation about believing victims, and I think both of those things can be true. I think you can believe a victim and you can educate someone who was in a position of power and took advantage of it as long as it did not, their actions did not cause irreparable harm. And I think that's another conversation that really needs to be had right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, in terms of, of learning, that's something that, uh, that I, that I find I'm I'm experiencing right now with all these these stories and and just how uh, you know specifically you know women are, are treated in this industry like obviously I, I knew of um, you know some of that stuff but I think a lot of people are learning a lot about what's going on and I think that's that's important because again like there's there's stuff that um, just from well, yeah like a lot of a lot of what i'm talking about is uh, when i'm talking about education is i'm talking about um understanding your biases i'm talking about like passive sexism and exclusion and discrimination and you know those are the kind of things that i think you can be educated on i think you know if you've gotten to the point that you are a harasser and abuser there's not a whole lot that you deserve in return yeah. in terms of you know my sympathies <laughs> Yeah. Oh no. no. <laughs> like I mean, you know, you can go fuck right off. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think from, from I mean, there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of room there that mm. because someone holds a certain point of view doesn't mean we should just cancel them and write them off. Is essentially my point. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, I mean it's a it's a very good point, and uh, I I think. Again, I just I hope that with with everything that is going on, you're right that uh, that people can can educate themselves and and we can we can get we we can we can experience this and then learn from it and then have some positive change and uh, you know we've 
we've seen that like riot specifically has been covered uh previously and and that was something that i felt like uh at least publicly in the news cycle has seen some has seen change there and they've removed problematic staff after you know placing them on leave and and discovering what was going on and um and hopefully it continues that way and i think it i think we've seen that that it's been then okay uh or at least better so um i'm i'm hoping that that's what comes of this but like you said it's um it's going to require education to, to and and for these companies to do something uh, and that's that's what i want to see like uh, we've seen statements from some companies we've we've seen silence from others and i think that that's where the silence right now it, it speaks volumes right yeah absolutely so again, um, if you guys do want uh, an even more <laughs> in-depth look at uh, at what's going on um, specifically in the Warcraft community, but also with a lengthier version of uh, my story and uh, some other thoughts from uh, both Manny and myself, uh, go and check out the standalone Faz episode. Um, again, you can find the links to all the Faz episodes at tgistudios.com. Um, I believe that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, if you do want to join the conversation, you can do so at bit.ly slash TGI Discord. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn, at Joss Plays. Ryan is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers Inn. Thanks for staying with Gamers Inn. Remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.